Hey everyone, welcome back. It's the Supply Change Podcast brought to you by Actricity. I am your host, Christian Garcia. Thank you guys for joining us today. Depending on when you are watching this, happy holidays. Could be the new year, it could be 2023 already. But if you are listening before the holidays, uh, we at Actricity want to wish you happy holidays. Hope you get some good rest and relaxation in this time. Spend time with family and friends and uh, just enjoy the holiday season. So we are recording this on December 7th, so that's why I put in that caveat. I don't know when you're going to listen to it here in Texas. It's a warm 75 degrees today. Great winter weather for the Texas area. So happy holidays from Atricity. And before we hop into today's episode a little bit more at length, we do want to give a, a very special thank you to Charlie Duke. For those of you who tuned in to the last two episodes of the podcast, we did have Apollo astronaut Charlie Duke on the pod, and he was a fantastic guest. I cannot say enough about his character and how gracious he was with his time, what a great storyteller he is, what a great guest he is. I had to limit myself from just listening and realizing that I was hosting an episode. I could listen to him talk for hours about the stories and his life experiences. And so uh, special thanks to Charlie. Also special thanks to Ben, our producer, for putting that all together. Uh, he did a terrific job in getting just the quality of everything right where we wanted it to be. So thank you again to Ben. And uh, yeah, we, we highly recommend you check out those episodes. It's probably the best stuff that we've put out on this pod so far. Very fascinating to hear the different challenges and the circumstances that the Apollo team had to overcome to not only get a man on the moon, but to do it multiple times. And so we, we recommend both part one and part two of that series. Part two goes a little bit more in depth on how to run a supply chain to get a man on the moon because there were a lot of moving pieces. And Charlie does a, an excellent job of going through just the different elements of what it took to get a man on the moon from working with different civilian contractors to training to assembly, engineering, all those types of things. So go check it out. You can get it on all your podcast platforms that you might be listening to this one on. So without further ado, let's talk about today's episode. So we're going to be doing a bit of a year-end Q&A. So like I said, we're recording this on December 7th. That's why we're calling it year-end because 2022 is just about finished and we are looking ahead to 23. I know many businesses, maybe you personally are looking ahead towards 2023 and having questions about some basic things about asset management, inventory management, about uh, Internet of Things technology. And so what we wanted to do was take this episode, do kind of a quasi mailbag. I've combined listener questions and you know emails that we've received throughout the course of the year. I've combined some of those questions with really some, some questions that we hear frequently as a business that works in the supply chain industry. And so it's going to be a mismatch, a mishmash. I don't remember what the term is, but it's going to be a, a combination of things that we've received via communications with our customers, people that have reached out to us on the podcast, questions that you guys have had. So we wanted to use this last episode of the year to really go through and really help bring light to some of these questions that are uh, very pertinent to the marketplace right now. So let's get started. And we're going to start with a question that I've heard countless times in my time here at Electricity, because... Like I like to mention frequently, we do asset management and inventory management software. And so naturally, one of the first questions that comes out of that realization is, what is the difference between an asset and an inventory item? In regards to how our system interacts with that, the answer is there is no difference. We treat them both the same. There are specific fields and specific data that you would track separately about an asset item versus an inventory item. But for all intents and purposes, they are the same entity in our system. Now, when you look broader into how those two things work in the supply chain sense, 
The explanation that I like to use is that an asset is something that you keep and you maintain over the course of years, and then at the end of its lifespan, you either sell it or you dispose of it. So think about things. I like to use an office setting because that's one that a lot of people can identify with. When you're in an office, you may think of assets like a laptop or a a printer, maybe, you know, maybe a TV or a monitor stand or a monitor, right? Things that you purchase and, and you want to maintain. You want to keep track of them over the course of their lifespan. And typically when you're managing assets, those things tend to have more financial value at the individual level. And so you keep track of them with a little bit more detail because you want to use them for a long time. And then ultimately you will either sell them you know, to recoup some value or you'll dispose of them when their useful life has been spent. That's an asset. An inventory item is a little bit different in the sense that inventory items can be split into really two categories, serializable and non-serializable items. So serializable inventory a lot of times can be handled like an asset, but really the key difference between an asset and an inventory item is that an asset is something you keep in your system and you manage versus an inventory item you keep in your system with the purpose of using, consuming, or selling that product. And so go back to the office sense, things that can be consumed, maybe a pad of paper, pens, things of that nature, things that you can use and then you've consumed your inventory. When we get into the serializable versus non-serializable discussion, that goes more into how you want to track it or how you want to keep track of it. So we've worked with customers who, uh, during the height of the pandemic, were tracking PPE. Now, certain PPE items, you would track at the box level. And so that would be non-serializable. You know, you're tracking maybe a box of 50 protective masks. That's non-serializable inventory. But we've also worked in the past with people who manage warehouses who sell bigger ticket items. We talked with a company that was selling hot tubs, the hot tubs that are above ground, and they had a warehouse and they wanted to track how much inventory they had. But those items were managed at the individual level. Obviously, an above ground hot tub can be pretty expensive, right? Multiple thousands of dollars. You don't track that at the, the five quantity level, and that's serializable inventory. And so when I say that serializable inventory and assets share a lot of the same components in our system, it's because we can track either one, right? And we can track consumable inventory as well, but we typically track consumable inventory at greater greater quantity units of measure. So at the box level, at the pallet level, at the case level, right? You can make those quantity relationships, the unit of measure relationship, like a box equals 10 units and, you know, a case equals three boxes. So in that sense, then a, a case would equal 30 units, right? Because you've made those relationships. That's more on the consumable, non-serializable side of inventory. So it's a question we get all the time because we do asset and inventory management. And the main difference between the two is that you are typically tracking an asset from purchase to retirement or disposal versus an inventory item. You keep track of until you either sell, consume, or in any other way you get it out of your system. It's in your system for the purpose of at some point being released from your system versus assets that you track and manage for a lot longer over time. With that being said, a lot of the data points between the two types can be exactly the same. Things like location, things like condition, those types of items, you know, maybe who who's in charge of that specific item. Those types of things are shared between the two different types. And so there's really no exclusivity between things you would track on an asset versus inventory, you're going to track financial information for both of them. Now, maybe for the inventory level, you're tracking more the total value of what I have on hand versus assets. You may be doing more of a depreciation 
type of approach where I have a vehicle that's part of my fleet. And over the course of time, I know that it goes down X amount of dollars per year. I know that the best time for me to sell it is at this specific point into its lifespan. And so you tend to do those things more with, with assets than you do with inventory. The short answer would be there's not really a difference in terms of how we look at it and how we manage it within our system, but our system is configurable to really implement your approach and managing assets and inventory. And you can do both from the same system. You don't have to go to a different system. Uh, it's just a different module within the same system, the electricity framework. So that's question number one. Question number two, we get this also very frequently. Can I access the full product on my mobile device? And that's that question is a technical yes. Coming from the product side, I don't recommend it. We have in our ADO product line fully responsive applications that you can access from a mobile browser. The reason why I don't recommend that is because we have companion applications that give you that data in more of a mobile-centric view. It's better suited to the form factor. We have applications on both Android and iOS. So I like to point people towards our mobile apps. They're a little bit more specific to use cases that make sense to use on mobile. So one of the main use cases that we have is we integrate with RFID handhelds that to utilize RFID scanning for things like cycle counting, inventory and asset tracking, things of that nature. You can access the full product, but for those who have seen our product, you may be a customer listening to this, or you may have seen a demo, which we, if you haven't seen the product, we're happy to show you a demo. You'll notice that there's a lot, there's a lot of information to track and we can certainly turn things on and off based off of your requirements. But because there is a lot to track, it just makes sense to have it on a bigger screen. If you're going to use the browser version of the app, we recommend using at least a 10-inch tablet. And then if you go any smaller than that, we recommend using our companion applications to the asset and inventory system. So that's really the way that we like to go about doing our product design. We like to promote our mobile applications in that sense because it's utilizing the mobile form factor much more effectively than a responsive web app would. The third question, this is one that we get from every customer that has ever used any of our IoT platform, if you want to call it that, our IoT ecosystem. Who owns the scan data that comes into the Atricity system? And the answer is you. You own it. What we at Atricity do is we store it, and we have data analytic tools that can run against it, but ultimately the data is yours. If you want to take it out and you want to put it elsewhere, I talk quite frequently about our ability to integrate with ERP solutions and real-time you know, two-way integration. You own the data that comes in through those scans. We have the ability to run analytics and reports on it from within our application. But if you want to go take that elsewhere, you can. You have the ability to move into data warehousing. That's a big thing that a lot of people are doing these days is they realize this data that they've been accumulating over the course of time, it has value when you analyze it. It has value when you can put it into a data warehouse run a BI tool on it and start to identify some of these trends on how to improve your businesses and how to improve your business strategy. That's one of the areas, one of the key strategic areas that we're looking at in 23 in the electricity product catalog is advancing our data analytics programs. And I'm incredibly excited to show our broader audience what that looks like within our ADO product here within the, the next couple of months. And that actually really leads me into question number four, which is what's in store? for electricity product in 2023. There's a lot, and I'm gonna be talking about that a little bit more as we get into 23, but as I just mentioned, one of the big things is our integration with a data analytics tool that helps us provide immediate insight into trends, into failure points, into things that require attention. I think that's one of the big things that the tech market has really advanced in the last 
two to three years is data warehousing and business intelligence. It's not difficult anymore. And like I just mentioned, if you own your scan data and you have data analysts who can go in and start to identify some trends, you can start to fine tune the edges of your strategy to maximize ROI. One of the examples of how we use this internally, if we have devices that we've deployed to the field, there are patterns that we've been able to identify and notice that typically result in a tag malfunctioning and needing to be RMA'd. You know, not every tag is created perfectly. That's the case for all technology, right? Sometimes you get a limit now and again, but we start to have these patterns that we recognize when we think something's about to fail. And so for us to be able to look ahead and say, hey, we recognize these things that are happening and we know that the end of these things happening is typically a failure, which means that the customer has to RMA and send it back in. If we can predict that ahead of time, we may be able to prevent that from happening, or we may be able to you know, remote connect into some of these devices and figure out what's wrong. It may not be an actual device issue. It may be a firmware issue. And we're able to troubleshoot that stuff before it even happens and before there's a malfunction. So that's an example of how we use analytics internally at Aptricity. The analytics that you can use externally are things like trends. You can view location trends, idle time. There's really an endless amount of things that you can view. That's one area that we see as a strategic objective for the electricity product line is to start introducing these analytics to some of our more common use cases that our customers use the system for. And you'll see them in our marketing content all the time. Things like indoor positioning and GPS asset tracking, enterprise asset management, inventory tracking, things of that nature. We're starting to build out data analytics to really bolster the ability to provide key metrics and key analytics to help really shape your strategy, to help maximize you know, the value of an asset lifespan or the value of your inventory. That's what we're trying to do with these analytics. So that's probably the main thing I'm excited about in our product in 23. And I don't want to go too deep into detail because I want to leave a little bit more meat on the bone so that you guys can keep tuning in and looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more of that unveiling as we go along into 2023, but we are excited for 23 as a company. We've got a good product, a good foundation that we're excited to build upon. And then the last question, and I, I wanted to save this for the last question because I wanted to spend most of my time on it. What should we be excited about in 2023 regarding the internet of things? And before we hop into that question, to kind of summarize 2022, I think what I would classify 2022 in regards to IoT as is an understanding of what it can do and big businesses finally starting to integrate it into their process. You know, we've seen this in the consumer world pretty frequently. That's the ability to, you know, I'm wearing my Apple Watch right now, right? And that's the ability to get health metrics from my watch that is connected to the Internet of Things has been tremendously beneficial. You know, you have your refrigerators that have a camera. You're connecting your refrigerator to the Internet of Things. You can remote into your refrigerator to see what you have and don't have while you're at the store. Uh, that's an example of the Internet of Things at work. And we've seen the widespread adoption on the commercial side. Now what we're starting to see is companies who are using this for their supply chain execution strategies. How can I make sure that I retain visibility on the location, the condition, the quantity of the important things that make up my supply chain? That could be vehicles, that could be personnel, that could be you know, consumable inventory, serializable inventory, assets, you name it, tools, equipment, things of that nature. How can I retain visibility on those things to ensure that I get the most out of them? One of the most exciting things about widespread adoption, really in any industry, is that it makes everything cheaper. 
we went through a pretty a pretty drastic chip shortage because of the COVID pandemic. We're still ironing out some of the supply chain issues of getting things shipped from overseas. And we're starting to see improvement in those areas. And so with that, more companies are willing to take on more of these types of projects. They're more willing to deploy some of these IoT tracking devices out in the field. And with more widespread adoption comes cheaper pricing. And that's on a number of different fronts. That can also apply to data plans. You know, we frequently talk about GPS asset tracking and putting SIM chips inside of these devices to make sure that they can connect to the cellular network and update our cloud services, right? And so what happens is as there's more devices in the field, there's more competition. More businesses want to get in on that. And as more businesses get in on that, the prices go down. And the other part of this too is as as 5G becomes more widely available and people start to adopt that in their personal cell devices, there's still 4G lines out there. There's still, in some places, there's still 3G lines out there. And I know that that infrastructure is not going to be around forever, but what it does is it the adoption of 5G allows for even quicker tracking response times because the, the bandwidth of the 5G network is so much greater than the LTE network. And so as 5G becomes adopted, data lines, the cost goes down and, and new people emerge and offering new solutions about how you can plug in one SIM chip that will talk to every cell tower. There's a lot of exciting advancements going on in that realm. In 2023 for IoT, as things become more widely adopted, we're starting to see more sensor technology that's making its way into the mainstream. We've talked about this a lot as well. There are tags that have sensors that can sense things like movement, light, we're familiar with GPS, right? GPS is technically considered sensor technology because it has an antenna and it senses the latitude, longitude. This example doesn't fit perfectly, but I think you catch my drift. It's a sensor that is capturing environmental information and sending it to the cloud. When we have more sensors available to us, there's just more we can track. And we have a full list of sensor technology information that we can share with you. If you're interested, reach out. We'd love to connect with you and share that with you. But like I said, things like light sensitivity, temperature, movement, shock, fall detection, things of that nature are being built into tags that you can then put on your assets and inventory to now not only capture location, which is something that we're all familiar with, but we can also capture these environmental points of interest. But there are products specifically within the cold chain. When we talk about grocery, there are products that have to be kept within a certain temperature limit. They have to be not exposed to light for a certain amount of time, or maybe vice versa. They do need to be exposed to light for a certain amount of time. We have sensor tags that can tell us when we're within those acceptable ranges. And when you start to connect those into a workflow where you can make decisions quickly, you can start preventing problems from happening. And I think that's really... When we start looking at the way that software can step into the supply chain and help, there's really multiple phases to it. And really, step one is to analyze the failure events and why they happen. And then step two is to start preventing those from happening. And so that's another place where AI starts to get involved. AI being able to analyze trends quicker and provide immediate response or maybe take immediate action if something does need to be rectified or addressed immediately. And so these are all areas within the Internet of Things that promises incredible return on investment for businesses who are willing to take that approach into integrating it into their supply chain. As we continue to capture data, and that's really one of the main things about AI is that it has to be trained. It has to be routinely trained with data. And when it's coming out with the wrong response or the wrong analysis, 
It's being trained. And over the course of this training, AI becomes powerful. It starts to be able to provide real feedback and valuable feedback. And so that's a big area of the supply chains and specifically in IoT technology where we see a lot of growth in 23 is within AI adoption to pump out things like business analytics, business intelligence, trends, action plans. To top that off, if you have that in place, and you have workflows, automated workflows in place that can be triggered by user interaction or AI interaction, a lot of these actions can take place automatically. So you have a self-sustaining system that addresses problems as they arise. These are things that we're incredibly excited about. They're things that we will absolutely be talking about more on this podcast, on our blogs, really in our corporate communications as we move into 23. And they're things that from the product side, we look forward to bringing into our product to help provide additional value to our users and our potential customers. That about wraps up today's episode. It was a mix of things that we've received from our audience, things that we have heard from our customers' perspective and current. And we hope that these five things or these five questions help give you a little bit more insight into not only what we do at Optricity, but better insight into the market, what's possible, and what really you should be spending some time looking at in 2023. 23 is going to be a big year and it can be a huge year for your company if you know the right ways to improve. We're here to help with that. So if you're interested in reaching out, if you want to see our product in action, give us a shout. You can request a demo on our website. If you have any questions for me personally, some of these questions I pulled directly from our our listener feedback. And so we want you to know that we're listening to you. We're using this podcast as a medium to go into broader detail into some of these questions because not a lot of them could be answered in a one or two word answer. And the answers really worth having are ones having in long form conversational format. So we love doing this. We love hearing from you. If you have questions, like I said, reach out to me personally. You can reach out to our marketing team if you have any questions about marketing. That's about it for today's episode. We thank you guys for tuning in. Happy holidays. Don't know when you're listening to this, but we at Eptricity wish you a happy holidays, a happy new year, and the best to come in 2023. So thank you again for tuning in. We will see you next year. 